Hola, and welcome to the Playsheet Podcast. Me llamo Carlos, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend Joe. Jose, it's Jose today. Oh, Jose, of course, my, my bad, my bad. Uh, yes, I am recording from Mallorca this week, um, so no idea what the sound quality is going to be like, but even in Spain, the NFL doesn't sleep, Joe. It's good commitment, Charles. Thank you for joining us from sunny Spain, where you're no doubt waiting to get back down the beach, but it's good to have you with us for half an hour tonight. So, Joe, week one, I mean, we say it every year, it's often quite full of surprises because, as we say time after time, camp teaches you nothing, and this is the first week where we get to see it all laid out. There's a little bit of rust normally from certain players and certain teams, um, but this week... Like Green Bay. Yes, Joe, like Green Bay, like last year. I'm not panicking. But uh, this this week was one for the defences, right? It was one for the defences, but I mean, uh, look, the NFL does not disappoint. I'm just looking across a slate of games that we've got. I think there's barely one or two games that probably weren't at least a good 8 out of 10 in terms of entertainment. We could talk about almost every game, so we're going to have to keep things quite short, quite nippy. Uh, but Charles, let's pick up on the Thursday night game, Bills against Rams. What did you think of that one? I did not see that going quite as drastically as it went. I had the Bills winning, but I had them winning by about two points, something like that. It was it was quite a convincing win from the Bills, especially as well after we talked about their potential defensive issues. They seem to be fairly good at stopping the run. They seem to hold it together quite well. Stafford, on the other hand, whether it was his elbow arm or not, he didn't look quite as convincing as he did last season. There's a couple of things to unpick quickly here. First off, yeah, you're right. Stafford didn't look all too clever. But aside from the arm, um, offensive line, uh, we we picked up on this. I'm not going to say something lazy and say, oh, Aaron Whitworth's not around, so that's the reason that the line's rubbish. The line was rubbish, by the way. You've got to look just beyond that. You know, the Rams lost... Austin Corbett last year, uh, they lost a couple of pieces in that line, and the line was terrible. The line was terrible, the pressure getting through to Stafford, I think he was sacked seven times during the game. We asked a question in last week's pod, is Von Miller just a name now, or is he a serious threat? We felt that it could be the former, and that he's just a name based on what he's done the last couple of years. Well, two sacks on Thursday night, he looked the real deal. We'll see how that goes through the season uh, and whether he has as much happy hunting on other lines. But look, the Bills' front seven uh, looked imperious. They were hunting down Stafford. They were destroying the line. We asked questions about the cornerbacks, but the cornerbacks didn't really have to come into play because Stafford just wasn't getting the ball out on time. Yeah, it was under far too much pressure. Under far too much pressure. But when the safeties did need to step up, I think we had an interception in the game from Poya. Uh, the safeties, there were great. So look, the Bills basically passed every single test there. There's one thing I do want to bring up though, Charles. We can wax lyrical about the Bills for quite a while. I wasn't happy with some of the play calling later in the game and just the unnecessary violence that Josh Allen was finding himself in. It's a long season. It's a 17-game regular season and a three or four-game playoff. Week one, when you're 20 points up, you do not need to be quarterback taking on linebackers shoulder to shoulder. I think he gets a kick out of that and, you know, likes to show that he's some kind of alpha quarterback. But week in, week out, you get 260-pound, 280-pound men getting injured against these types of players. Look at what happened to TJ Watt, who is as much of a specimen as Josh Allen is and more. 
It doesn't matter how big you are, how six foot four, whatever weight Josh Allen is, you will get injured doing that. I think it's just foolish and reckless to be making some of the plays that he was making that late in the game with the game one. Uh, it's just unnecessary. Yeah. That was Thursday night. It seems like a lifetime ago now. Uh, by the time the pod goes out on Wednesday, it will seem even longer. Uh, let's get on to the Sunday games. Any you want to talk about in particular, Charles? Well, certainly not Green Bay Vikings, Joe. <laughs> we'll save that one till the end. Let's start off with let's start off with probably the craziest game of a Sunday slate: Pittsburgh Cincinnati. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, Burrow was in trouble pretty much the entire game, wasn't he? That looked desperate. But it was offensive line again. It was the offensive line not stopping the pressure and forcing Burrow into less than optimal throws, shall we put it. Don't get me wrong, you can't blame it all in the offensive line. Burrow wasn't playing well. There's no debating that. But his cause was certainly not being helped by the five men in front of him. But this is, this is an offensive line that was seemingly clicking towards the end of last season. I was really struggling when I was watching the game to understand why it was breaking down as badly as it was week one. No, that's that's fair, and it could just be one of those things that they're a little bit undercooked, not really match-ready yet. It, it, it could have been, let's just be honest, it could have been that the Pittsburgh defense was just really good. I mean, TJ Watt had a great game. A lot of people, myself included, were quite willing to play down any chances that the Steelers had and say at best they were going to be third in the AFC North. But I mean, after that performance, if TJ Watt had stayed healthy, I'd question that. But with TJ Watt being out for... Will probably be a considerable time now. I'll probably go back to, to having my doubts about them. But while they had TJ Watt on the field and while they're clicking, that looked like a pretty good defense. Offense, probably the lesser said the better because really, when you look at a game where there were five turnovers on the quarterback, four interceptions, and uh, a fumble, a fumble recovery, and the offense still couldn't tie that game up. When the other team, you know, miss kicks that should have won them the game later on. I wanted Trubisky to do well. I, I, I've, I've got nothing against him whatsoever, but um, the offense was probably worse than I thought it would be for the Steelers. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, at the beginning of the game, I, I almost thought they were going to run away with it, just how aggressive they were on defense. And then I almost couldn't believe that it got to overtime, and then they nearly threw that away as well. So it was, um, it, it was crazy. As good as the defense was, the offense wasn't keeping up with them. And as you rightly pointed out, with TJ Watt now out, they are going to need the offense to step up and step up quickly if they want to continue winning games. I don't think the offense is capable of that right now. I think that people who want Kenny Pickett to come in are premature. He is just a rookie. He wasn't a first-round rookie. I'm not saying he doesn't have potential. I'm not saying that whatsoever. But I think it would be silly to rush him in too early and you know ruin him like we've seen lots of good potential quarterbacks get hurt by just getting exposed too soon but without TJ Watt I mean TJ Watt is such a huge piece such an alpha such a big part of that defense I think the Steelers will struggle flipping over to one just last thing I want to mention on the Bengals as well had the Bengals actually challenged the play when they should have challenged it uh, and this is in reference to the fourth quarter touchdown that Jamar Chase scored and you know, annoyingly, if I was a Bengals fan, like this was right in front of a line judge as well. There was a, a line judge right there, five foot in front of him. I mean, it was clear on the TV, but it was a touchdown. Nevertheless, the Bengals should have challenged it, and then it probably wouldn't have gone to overtime anyway. So I think that, you know, the coaching staff have to take a bit of that L as well. Yeah, absolutely. 
Shall we talk about the 49ers and the Bears, Joe? Because that was one that I didn't see going that way. Uh, again, we witnessed another injury with Mitchell. But what are your thoughts on that? Weird game. Weird game. You say that you didn't see it going that way. I didn't see it going that way at half time when San Francisco were 10 0 up. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, it was. It was ultimately bad secondary play that changed the course of a game. And we've said for a while, we've said this, I remember saying this in season one of the podcast, that San Fran's secondary is an Achilles heel for them and it's something they need to address. I still don't think they've addressed it sufficiently and they've got by by having such a strong front seven. They got caught out. Justin Fields eventually sliced them open like ribbons because the coverage just broke down. And that will happen again and again by better teams than... The Bears, no offense to the Bears, but it but it will happen by better teams. I mean, where does San Fran go from this? You know, at the end of the day, the defense played well in the first half. The team didn't really get much clicking on offense, but it's not a cause to panic. I mean, look at the conditions they were playing in. It was monsoon in Chicago. Rain was coming down. It was terrible. It was just like um, one big slip and slide, wasn't it? I mean, turfing completely a new pitch in a storm. It turned out to be uh, really quite unfortunate. <laughs> It's not smart, really, is it? Because when you when you normally see a pitch that's been re-turfed, it takes a good couple of weeks, even without the torrential rain, for it to kind of settle in, get all the air pockets and whatnot kicked out of it. With a freshly laid turf pitch in that kind of rain, uh, it, it wasn't tantamount to good playing conditions. I think this is one, really, if you're a San Fran fan, you just have to just chalk it down and move on. It's gone. They'll have better days, but they do need to address their secondary. So what about the Falcons Saints, Joe? It was an absolute all-out offensive onslaught. The Falcons probably came a lot closer to winning this than a, a lot of fans thought. And I mean, especially the first half of the game. You, you're thinking that they had a lead in which they can't throw this away. And then they go and Falcons it. Don't be silly, mate. A 16-point lead for the Falcons. Uh, that's <laughs> they need a lot more than that to not blow it. 26-10 up, ended up losing 27-26. We call things when we get things wrong on this show, but we said last week that Falcons may not necessarily win a lot of games, but they're going to be an exciting team to watch this season. And I think that we've already seen that week one. They can play offense Marcus Mariota he can do things with his legs he can get stuff going he can pass the ball he he's he, he's not a terrible quarterback they've got playmakers in there they've got Drake London I mean Carl Pitts didn't do much this week but he, he he will have bigger games they're gonna be an exciting team to watch they're gonna pull a few upsets along the year but I mean it's just so Falcons isn't it it's just so Falcons to be 26 10 up week one and still end up losing it Putting the Falcons to the side of it, Charles, uh, what did you think of the Saints? Do you think that the Saints can mix it in the NFC South? Do you think that they can mix it in with the playoffs from what you've seen so far? Or is this a team that's in rebuild? I think offensively, they're still really exciting. Michael Thomas looked quite sharp when he was playing at the weekend. Quite sharp. He had two, he had two touchdowns. Exactly, which is really encouraging to see. I loved seeing Hill come on for his like quite interesting package plays from time to time to really freak out the defense and and throw the catamounts and pigeons. Is is anyone really in are any defensive coordinators really honestly still lining up to defend the pass when Hill comes in under center? I'm sure now that the last 20 plays I've seen him come on for, he hasn't thrown the ball. 
yet teams are still acting like he's going to pass the ball. Yeah, well, guess what? The one time they don't, he will. Like, I, <laughs> that is what will happen. I think it's been so long since he's thrown the ball, he's forgot what a pass is, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all in all, offensively, they looked exciting and they looked professional. Um, defensively is where I have concerns for them. And I think, look... As you mentioned, Mariota, Cordell Patterson, they're good players and they will score points. But there are lots of good players out there in the NFL and I'm worried that against other teams who are a bit stronger defensively, the Saints might not be able to keep up. I think they'll remain competitive, but I'm not convinced that they're making that playoff run at the moment. Yeah, and... I totally agree with you on the defensive side of the ball with the Saints there. When you look at how they've been the last couple of seasons, their offense has been good. You know, it's it's been above average, but the strongest positional group has arguably been their secondary. And losing, you know, Gardner Johnson in the offseason, uh, losing other players there, it's gone from a positional group of strength to one arguably that's below average. And especially the division they play in, where they are going to have teams like the Bucks, like the Falcons, and even like the Panthers now, just, just straight out balling it and trying to score more points, playing that kind of game, rather than trying to defend anything. The Saints aren't a team to... They're not a team that's built to win a lot of games in that division, I feel, with how this team has changed in, in its balance. It'd be interesting, though. Look, they came through with their first test. They've got the dub. Let's see how they go for the rest of the season. Quick question, Charles. We're not going to talk about every game this week. There's a lot. There's just so much that kind of went on. So many things from a weekend. We won't go into detail about the Chiefs-Arizona game, but just an opinion count here, Charles. Who did you think looked better this weekend, Chiefs or the Bills on Thursday? Do you know what? It is a tough one because I think the Cardinals, I didn't expect to come out strong, especially with Hopkins out for a large part of the season. I know he's just one player, but they kind of build that offense around him. Obviously, do you think? I think they do. I look, come on, he he's still their primary go-to guy, and when he draws a lot of coverage, without him on the field, teams don't have to be as honest, and and I think that's a big help, especially even in terms with Kyler Murray making his scrambles. You know, if they're double coveraging Hopkins. And if they're having to pull players potentially out of that line to watch where he's headed, then it, it opens up opportunities. And I think without him there, it's easier to defend them. I mean, I was quite impressed that they still put up 21 points against Chiefs. I'm going to be honest. I don't necessarily see it that way. I think that the way that they play with this air raid offense, yes, he was he was an important piece, but... He, not as big a piece as he was for Houston and not as big a piece as he was for the first, you know, six, seven years of his career there. I think, in my opinion, yes, he did pull double coverage, but there was just so many weapons on the field most of the time, you know, empty backfields playing with the uh, Cardinals. I don't know whether I put as much importance on Hopkins and I'm not sure if I would have you said you expected them to come out slow and not really do so well. I mean, the Cardinals, they come out and normally win the first six, seven games of the season and then go rubbish for second half. Yeah, but they normally have Hopkins, who's, who is a very good wide receiver. Yeah, but look, 
How many yards did Hopkins get last season? I assume you have that number in front of you. I've got it right in front of me, but I'm asking just how many yards do you think he got last season from from what you're saying there? I don't know. I'd guess somewhere around 850. He got less than 600. He got uh, 572. Okay. And all right, yeah, it was 10 games, but that's still averaging less than 60 yards a game. So, so look, I know he does sometimes draw double coverage, but... I think the last couple of years, we've not really seen peak Hopkins. He's not been that top three wide receiver that he was for the first part of his career. And yes, it's important for, for him to be on the field. He is still one of the best players in that team. He is still a, he's still a top 10 receiver in the league. But I don't think he's got that aura about him anymore. Fair enough. Um, in answer to your original question, though, I think Mahomes looked unreal. He was making some incredible passes. But who I think looked better, Bills or Chiefs? I think as an overall package, I still really, really like the Bills, man. I thought they were excellent defensively. They were great offensively. I think they looked the part. Chiefs, offensively, almost unrivaled. But defensively, I wasn't totally convinced. So if I had to put my money on anything, I, I, I still like the Bills for it. I just thought that the play calling that the Chiefs had was just so good for them to be doing the type of plays they were doing. Well, you know, last season, a lot of the offense was based around Tyreek Hill. Not all of it, we know that. But the way they had, if we don't get you a Kelsey, we'll get you a Hill, we'll get you with someone else. That, that's just way that they were playing and the, the deep threat that Hill added to that team. They're like, well, fine, we don't really have that deep threat. We'll just come up with something new. And just for the, the shovel passes and little... little two three yard passes that they were doing to Clyde Edwards Hilaire and just getting him involved in the game bringing him back to some some real kind of fresh plays in there I thought that the play calling was great and I'm not sure if that's come from Reed or the enemy whichever guy it was I think there's such intelligence in the coaching of that team and yet I don't think they're complete as the Bills I think you're right there I think the Bills overall on both sides of the ball averaging out being stronger but I think there's nothing that this Chiefs offence can't do, really. Yeah, I think and that's yeah, fair. It's, it's those two teams that I think are in a tier of their own right now. After one game. <laughs> so, Charles, we're going to touch on it. I know you don't want to talk about it. Vikings, Green Bay. What's your read? There's two things I feel about this. So, the level-headed, analytical side of me is going, do you know what? This happened last season. We got tore apart by the Saints, you know, week one, and we came back strong and, you know, we did really, really well. So don't freak out. Then there's a small part of me that just thinks, is the Matt LaFleur offense, are people starting to work it out now? And actually, is it a really easy how to kind of stop and break down Green Bay? I'm slightly worried that we might be becoming too predictable. Um, and then, of course, there's the other side of it, which is we lost Devontae Adams. We didn't replace him. I don't really know who Rodgers is thrown to. And I saw... Well, you did replace him with Christian Watson, and he had a very good chance to score a touchdown for basically first play. Yeah, but again, this is the point, isn't it? You're, you're replacing him with people that aren't as capable. Yeah, uh, fair, but I'm not going to gloat on this one because it's a long season. I was very happy with how the game went. It could have gone very different. 
had Watson caught that ball. It could have gone very different had the Vikings not done that very, very good goal line stand to deny a touchdown on fourth and inches. There's a few things there that could have shifted the whole momentum of the game. The thing I just want to talk about this one, I, I don't want to talk about Jefferson really because people are all, they're already hyping him up far too much. He's a great player. He's elite. He's top three wide receiver in the league. But it's <laughs> there's people calling him MVP who are not Vikings fans with a straight face right now. And it's ridiculous. The thing I want to talk about is Rogers' attitude. And I think it's despicable. I think it's... We've talked about him previously, but the way that he's justified in acting how he acts by basically commentary teams and pundits across the league, I think we've just got to talk out about it now. Watson dropped the ball. He dropped a touchdown. He dropped a 75-yard touchdown. We know that, right? It happened. But he's a rookie wide receiver. If there was any other quarterback in the league who had a rookie wide receiver drop a pass but then sulk for the rest of the game and act moody and shout his mouth off and all that kind of thing, that quarterback would get ripped by every pundit, by every commentator and every news site the day after. But when Aaron Rodgers does it, it's, oh, this wide receiver's lost the trust of Rodgers. He's, he's, he's got to get the trust of Rodgers back. Poor Rodgers, he's got no one that he can trust. You're supposed to be a leader. You're supposed to build these relationships up. And it's, it's, it's like it's everyone else's fault that Rodgers doesn't trust them when he's the leader of that team. And, you know, if this was Derek Carr, if this was Kirk Cousins, if this was Daniel Jones acting that way, they'd be absolutely maligned. But... It's everyone else's fault when Rogers does it. And and the league just bows to that and just lets that happen. And I was just listening to the commentators and I, and I just don't know why it happens. I think that's it though, Joe. I think it's this, it's everybody else's fault and it's starting to become a real problem. Because I would say, you, looking back at last season, there are a number of games that we potentially lost because of that because of his attitude and his failure to get over this i think what rogers does is when he can't play the way he plays when things don't go the way he expects rather than adapting rather than thinking oh okay i'm getting rushed really really quickly so i need to get this out of my hands quickly short passes even shovel passes whatever it might be just to like quickly just even get a couple of yards Rodgers refuses to do that and he will actually try and do these big plays to almost like be the hero and save the day. If he genuinely can't do that, that's what loses us the game, his inability to switch. And I think the longer he stays at Green Bay, the more I'm seeing this happen. And it is this kind of sulky attitude where he refuses to adapt. I think it's that that is going to potentially be a real issue for Green Bay because... We don't have Devante Adams anymore. He cannot just do what he keeps on doing. He needs to learn to change. Otherwise, teams are going to go, we know what you're going to do. We know what you're going to keep trying to do. And all we need to do is pressure you. And you're not going to have the capability to put it out of the bag anymore. Yeah, but I agree with everything you've said there. I'd just like to see more commentators call that out oh they're, ne they're never going to though are they because yeah but it's ridiculous it's a rookie who made a mistake move on from it but then it's just oh you got to give Rogers respect there are quarterbacks 
up and down the league who are dealing with brand new wide receiver rooms who just go out there and throw the ball and don't whinge about it. They might not win games, or they might win games, but it's not a whole running saga of have they got his trust? It's just a narrative that, that really is starting to annoy me. Yeah, and rightfully so. And it should annoy wide receivers. It's ridiculous. Look, you don't see Brady sulking anytime that someone drops it. He gets on with it. He picks up the next play and he finds a way to win. Rogers doesn't. The team suffers because of it. And you're right. You know, the commentators pander to it. And it is this kind of ridiculous assumption that Rogers is some deity that like wide receivers need to worship him to receive the ball. It's mental and it's actually going to end up harming the team. Just the other thing I want to touch on quickly, we'll move on from Rogers. Um, Matt LaFleur, you're talking about how obvious some of his offensive play calling was. Why did he stick to zone defense so much? I said I, I, I wasn't <laughs> going to talk about Jefferson, and I'm not really talking about Jefferson here. I kind of am. But why did Matt LaFleur stick to the zone defense so much when Jefferson was just shredding them through the zone? Jefferson's average separation when he had the ball thrown at him was four yards. He was averaging four yards of separation. Now, you don't have to be Justin Jefferson to make big game plays when you've got four yards of separation from a defensive back. But that's what he was averaging because he was just incessantly playing zone defense. I mean, what was up with that? Do you know what? I think we were missing, well, we were missing both of our tackles this game. I think Lafleur was going for a bend, don't break defense, but you are correct. This is the importance of adapting, and we say adapting is king in the NFL. It wasn't working. There should have been a switch, and there wasn't. Yeah, and then that's the last thing I was just going to mention. It's It's been a point of envy, I think, definitely from for Vikings fans, but for so many fans of teams across the league, but it seems that Green Bay have just had a never-ending tap of offensive line players over the last few years. Looks like that tap's run dry now. Looks like that tap's run dry because the pressure was getting to Rodgers. Now, not enough to justify him acting like he act, but both Daniel Hunter and Darius Smith were having pretty happy hunting out there. Uh, you're going to need those tackles back pretty quickly, or a lot of games can probably get away, can get away from a Green Bay team. This <laughs> is a Darius way. <laughs> he, he was fired up for it. He oh was my fired god! Up for it. Had Dick, a great game. I mean, we talked about uh, Mayfield and you know the Panthers Browns that being his revenge game. This was a Darius's revenge game because he came out in the media. He left under a cloud. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he said he didn't like how he was treated in Green Bay. Well, guess what? It shows. Yeah, well, and one thing to finish the show off in, talking about revenge, I think quote of the week this week has to go to Geno Smith after beating the Denver Broncos when everyone thought that this was Russell Wilson's triumphant return to Seattle. Geno Smith turns around and says, they wrote me off, I didn't write back. <laughs> Good man. <laughs> you've, got to, you've got to give him respect. He, he, he played very efficiently, 80% of passes completed. Uh, one of the more unexpected results of the uh, week slate. Fair play to Seattle. We've said we're not expecting very much from them at all, and this is definitely a rebuild year, but they're perhaps not going to be as bad as some people thought. Yeah, including myself. I was one of those people that wrote off Geno Smith, so uh, <laughs> uh, I've checked my post. He, he definitely didn't write back. <laughs> very good well Charles look uh, you jump back in that pool or whatever you're doing in Spain 
And then for everyone else, we'll see you next week. See you next week.